keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God on this Tuesday, May the 10th, 2022. St. Paul would say, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we are not contending against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against the powers, against the world rulers of this present darkness, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Close quote, St. Paul, pray for us, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. You know, it's going to be a great show today. We have a lot to share with you. We're going to catch up on a lot of these uh, attacks on the Catholic Church and other institutions. In fact, there was even a, a really horrible one yesterday in a church just down the road from us right now with a pastor I've known for many, many years, Father Christopher Plant, pastor of St. Bartholomew's and Katie, had the entire tabernacle stolen from the church it is a travesty uh, that cries out to heaven for vengeance, and I, I would argue. And that vengeance is acts of reparation. That vengeance is prayer, fasting, and penance. And today there's going to be a prayer rally in the Houston, Texas area. And everybody who lives in the greater Houston area ought to come, 3 p.m., Discovery Green, today, to make reparation for this grave offense against God. Uh, St. James Cathedral in Seattle was uh, attacked by a protester. St. John the 23rd Parish of Fort Collins, Colorado, vandalized. Northern Virginia Pregnancy Resource Center was also vandalized, so there's a lot more of that. But we're going to be speaking with Father Peter Damien from the Dominicans, from the Order of Preachers, who is also a pastor of a church in the Houston area who had his church vandalized over the weekend on Mother's Day. He'll be on with us at 15 past the hour. At 35 past the hour, we're going to speak with Dr. Peter Quash about obedience. What does it mean for laity? And what doesn't it mean for the laity? All of that coming up this hour. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. And yes, it's time. Dear listener, you have to understand this is this is a matter of warfare now. They are they are openly attacking our churches. Keep your eyes peeled. Make sure you know uh, the defenses of the church. Make sure that somebody's watching the, uh, the church. Make sure that there's security cameras lest they come and steal your tabernacle and desecrate our blessed Lord. Yeah, for sure. There's a lots of other stories to also cover today. Hey, guess what? $350 million in secret payments to Fauci, Collins, and others at the NIH. Oh, you didn't get a cut of that? I, not a single dime, I wonder. Oh. Hmm. Hey, Catholic Nancy Pelosi is applauding the protesters' uh, anti-abortion stance around the country. That's fun. And uh, I guess there's a gasoline misery index. <laughs> I didn't know this, other than I have to pay that misery every time I, I gas up. And apparently we're going to be paying, on average, $704 more per year at the pump at this point. But mm. good news, don't fret, we did just send $40 billion to the Ukraine. Oh. So there's that. Well, okay. Speaking of uh, misery, uh, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. Is it? It is, despite the fact that uh, Satanists are stealing our tabernacles. Uh, it is still good to be here, but praise be to God, because we'll be making acts of reparation 
as Joe was saying, at 3 p.m. at Discovery Green in Houston. And so everyone in the greater Houston area, if you can come by, I know some friends of mine said they're going to take a late lunch so they can uh, go at 3 p.m. and get out of work and do that. So praise be to God because, yeah, this is horrible. We need calm courage and confidence, and we need to have uh, rosaries of reparation all over the country. I mean, people need to start organizing these for every day, and we can't have it planned out for like a month in advance. Uh, I mean, we need to do it like today, tomorrow, the next day. Uh, we need as many acts of reparation as mm -hmm. possible for these evil attacks against the church. Yes, for sure. But uh, I, going back to that gasoline story, I, I think that was fake news. I'm pretty sure you planted that in my notes today. Because uh, <laughs> I did see that you spent over 100 bucks filling up your car over the weekend. Oh, yeah. It was uh, very expensive gas. I was uh, $101, and that was at Bucky's. I was like, if I was getting gas somewhere else, who knows how expensive it was going to be. Uh, it was like cash prices at the gas station uh, on my in Valero was like four dollars. I was like, it's, it's have cash, you tried cash flintstoning it? <laughs> Chop the bottom off and uh. at this rate, I I'm, I'm I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, my truck mod. guzzles <laughs> guzzles gas. If I'm like cruising all the way to Louisiana, I can get like eighteen miles per gallon. But in the city, I'm like twelve. Wow, <laughs> terrible. That's fun. I think I'm just going to hitch up to one of those big oil tankers and just drag it behind me. It'd be easier. Probably yeah, more cost-effective. Put a too. sail on it. Yes. Go back to sail power. <laughs> if there's only wind. God, is. All right. Like I said, lots to jump into today. It's going to be a great show. Stick around for Father Damien coming up at 15 past and Dr. Peter Kwasniewski coming up at 35 past this hour. And do us a favor and share us with a friend. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today is Tuesday, May 10th, and these are your headlines. Life News reports Justice Alito and his family taken to a secure location to protect them from pro-abortion violence. Supreme Court Justice Samuel Alito has been taken to a secure location to protect him and his family in the wake of pro-abortion violence over the weekend and, threatens to and threats to justices and their families at their homes. Late Friday, Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas had a message for the radical abortion activists who think they can bully the Supreme Court into revising its draft opinion overturning Roe v. Wade. You can't bully us. Thomas spoke at the 11th Circuit Judicial Conference in Atlanta, where he discussed the Supreme Court's leaked draft opinion for the first time. As a society, we are becoming addicted to wanting particular outcomes, not living with the outcomes we don't like, Thomas said. We can't be an institution that can be bullied into giving you the outcomes you want. The events from earlier this week are a symptom of that, Thomas said. The Hill reports retailers placing limits on baby formula purchases as shortage worsens. Several major retailers, including Walgreens, CVS, Target, and Costco, are rationing the purchase of baby formula amid an ongoing national shortage. The limitations on purchases follow after the FDA expanded its food recall for Abbott Nutrition's baby food products earlier this year following a child's death after consuming one of the company's products. 
Breitbart reports Mexican Catholics joined U.S. bishops in prayer to overturn Roe v. Wade. The Catholic Church in Mexico has joined the bishops of the United States in a campaign of prayer and fasting for an end to abortion. As Catholics, we can fast and keep this intention in our prayers so that the justices have the strength and courage to officially reverse the ruling that has claimed the lives of millions of innocents, the Archbishop of Mexico City, Cardinal Carlos Aguilar Retes, said. Epic Times reports missing Alabama prison guard dead, escaped inmate in custody after 10-day nationwide manhunt. Mrs. White, who was awaiting trial, uh, excuse me, Mr. White, who was awaiting trial on a capital murder case, disappeared with Mrs. White, who aren't, she's not related to him, after leaving a detention center in Florence, Alabama. On April 29th, Mrs. White, who is not related to Mr. White, but may have had a romantic relationship with him, told colleagues a 38-year-old inmate needed to go to the courthouse for a mental health evaluation. Later that day, when she was not answering her phone, the authorities discovered no such evaluation had been scheduled. They were arrested for after being caught following a car chase with the U.S. Marshals. Authorities said Vicki White was taken to the hospital with a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. She died shortly after 7 p.m. on Monday at Evansville Deaconess Midtown Hospital. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is Saint Damien of Molokai, born on January 3rd, 1840. He was born Joseph de Wooster in Tremolo, Belgium. A few people in Europe had any first-hand knowledge of leprosy or Hansen's disease, and by the time he died at the age of 49, people all over the world knew about this disease because of him. They knew that human compassion could soften the ravages of this disease. Forced to quit school at the age of 13 to work on the family farm, Joseph entered the congregation of the Sacred Heart of Jesus and Mary six years later, taking the name of a 4th century physician and martyr. When his brother Pamphili, a priest in the same congregation, fell ill and was unable to go to the Hawaiian Islands as assigned, Damien quickly volunteered in his place, and in May of 1864, two months after arriving in his new mission, Damien was ordained a priest in Honolulu and assigned to the island of Hawaii. In 1873, he went to the Hawaiian government's leper colony in the island of Molokai and set up seven year, that was set up seven years earlier, part of a team of four chaplains taking the assignment for three months each year. Damien soon volunteered to remain there permanently, caring for the people's physical, medical, and spiritual needs. In time, he became their most effective advocate to obtain promised government support. Soon, the settlement had new houses and a new church, schools, and orphanages. Moral impro morale improved considerably, and a few years later, he succeeded in getting the Franciscan Sisters of Syracuse, led by Mother Marianne Cope, to help staff his colony in Calapa Papa. Damien contracted Hansen's disease and died of its complications. As requested, he was buried in Calapa Papa, but in 1936, the Belgian government succeeded in having his body moved to Belgium. Part of Damien's body was returned to his beloved Hawaiian brothers and sisters after his beatification in 1995. When Hawaii became a state in 1959, it selected Damien as one of its two representatives in the Statuary Hall at the U.S. Capitol. He died on April 15, 1889. St. Damien of Molokai, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The Gospel today comes to us from John chapter 10, verses 22 through 30. The Feast of the Dedication was taking place in Jerusalem. It was winter. And Jesus walked about in the temple area on the portico of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. 
Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify to me, but you do not believe, because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can take them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one can take them out of the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Alcuin said, quote, It is called Solomon's porch because Solomon went to pray there. The porches of a temple are usually named after the temple. If the Son of God walked in a temple where the flesh of brute animals was offered up, how much more will he delight to visit our house of prayer in which his own flesh and blood are consecrated? Close quote. Alcuin, let that sink in a moment. How much more would he love to walk about in our churches where his body, blood, soul, and divinity are offered up. You know, last night, Tucker Carlson covered the story of the tabernacle in Katy, Texas, being stolen. I wondered how many people hearing that might have no idea the significance of what that means. The very fact that the Catholic Church holds from the very moment of the institution, the Holy Eucharist, until today, that it is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. His very presence. What a grace. What a grace God has given to you and to me, that he has been present among us under the guise, under the veil, under the form of the Holy Eucharist. Not symbolically, but actually present. Body, blood, soul, and divinity. And how often have we carried ourselves as though it was not true? How often have we decorated our churches as though it did not matter? How many churches have you entered where you had to look, find, seek for the tabernacle? It became like a game of sorts. Where is the tabernacle? I can't find it. Is the, is the lamp lit? I don't know. We believe this, and yet we don't conduct ourselves. If we take for granted this, this gift of grace, this unmerited, unsolicited, incredible gift from on high, if we take it for granted, we could lose it. And the stealing of this tabernacle in Katy, Texas, ought to remind us of that. He is present because He is amazing. He is God. And in spite of us, our weaknesses, our fa failures, our sins, He remains with us. Let us go and be present with him in thanksgiving and do acts of reparation. We'll be right back. What's concerning us and Father Peter Damien is coming up next. Unbelievers often reject religion because it sometimes causes conflict. They'll say, science will fly you to the moon, religion will fly you into buildings. Is this a rational basis for rejecting religion? The answer is no, and here's the reason. First, just because something causes conflict doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. For example, many wars have been fought over land. Does this mean we should do away with the right to private property? I don't think so. Second, the objection doesn't specify which religions cause war. 
It may belong to the essence of some religions to spread its message by the sword, and these we should reject, but it doesn't belong to all religions. So, to the question, should I reject religion because it causes conflict? The answer is no. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Men, it's time. The Men's March to End Abortion and Rally for Personhood is Saturday, June 11th, the weekend before Father's Day, from 12 to 3 p.m. in Tallahassee, Florida. Men gather at 12 p.m. for the march. All women, children, and families join us for the 2 p.m. rally at the Florida State Capitol. You are needed. Every life matters. Join us on June 11th in Tallahassee. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. Jesus Christ, welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. Coming up at 35 past the hour, Dr. Peter Kwasniewski is going to be our guest. We're going to be talking about his book on obedience, what this means, what it means for laity, and what it doesn't mean. There's, uh, I think, some misunderstanding about obedience in our church today, and Dr. Peter Kwasniewski is going to clear that up for us coming up at 35 past the hour. Joining us right now via phone, though, is Father Peter Damien. He is the pastor of a Holy Rosary Catholic Church in Houston, Texas, who was attacked over the weekend. Good morning to you, Father Peter Damien. A pleasant good morning to you and your listeners. Praise be to God. We're grateful for your time today, Father. It was good to talk to you again, and it was good to see you a couple weeks ago at the big, uh, huge basketball game. So, uh, God bless you. All right. Thank you. Let's talk about what happened on Mother's Day at your parish. Can you can you tell us about that? Yeah, so Mother's Day, we had a wonderful, peaceful celebration. But, however, I think around 10 p.m. Sunday night, we were vandalized. Um, yeah, so. What did they, what exactly did they do? So, the, you know, graffiti on the, the doors, so the entrance of the church. Mm. Um, yeah, so. And and I imagine this message on the door had something to do with pro being pro-abortion? Pro-abortion, right. Pro-abortion, yeah. Uh, yeah, is for pro-life. What was that like to wake up to discover that for you? Well, it was very unfortunate um, to see that, you know, because I didn't want the parishioners to come for confession for mass to subject to this. But and you know, it's 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 a good thing, if you will, right? Because it means we are doing the right thing. So <laughs> you know, that's how I that's how I see it. Definitely Father, I know uh whenever you I was I was always told that you know you're over the target when you start getting flack, right? So if whenever you're, you know, it's like, am I doing the right thing? Is am I getting the right? Am I is the message getting out? And then uh, you get attacked. You're like, oh, okay. Well, I guess people are listening. I guess people are paying attention. So I guess uh, in one sense, it's good that it was your church that it's attacked because it shows that you're actually preaching the truth. You don't you think, Father? Indeed, that's right, and that's and it's very important, right? You know, the the, the message of life, right? We can't compromise that, right? got to speak the truth you know it's we're in a, yeah we're in an age of individual individualism right so it's all about me 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 but we we are we as catholic this is a good thing for us we can't give in nor should we allow ourselves to become underground yeah. church you know? yeah yeah 
The, what struck me was that the message itself said pro uh, pro it says pro choice is pro life, <laughs> and it's hard to it's hard to fathom how it lacks common sense. It lacks the smell test, as I like to say. You know, like you don't have to be a theologian to know that abortion isn't pro-life in any stretch of the imagination and yet we are dealing with a populace that somehow twists the truth in their minds to the point where they think it is pro-life to take the life of a child in a womb of a child that's right you know that's that's the evil that we, we, we have to deal with right it, it would seem to me father that we're dealing with more than just the abortion issue here though i mean look at look at the response of these people they attack churches I mean, they have attacked obviously some, uh, you know, pro-life pregnancy centers, things like that. Uh, but by far, they are attacking Catholic churches. They stole this tabernacle out of St. Bartholomew's uh-huh. yesterday. Um, what do you think that says? I think it says something greater than abortion. But what would you say to that, Father Peter Damien? Well, yeah, but I think there's a, there's a lack of reverence for for the sacred and the beauty. Right? I mean, people are lost and they're looking for somewhere to just blatantly show their their disgust or their lack of understanding of who Jesus is and what it's all about. The church is not a threat to you, right? The the the, the church is not your enemy. If the church is your is is your way to experience God's merciful love and an eternal life. But people don't have that understanding of what it means to respect the sacred anymore. Mm. What should be our response here? Our response should always be prayer, right? Should always be prayer. And and ask Our Lady, you know, Our Lady Fatima, the Immaculate Heart of Mary, uh, to triumph in, in the hearts and minds of her, her sons and, and daughters who are strained from Jesus more and more. Will this incident uh, make you more uh, aware? Or, I mean, or is there a plan at your parish, or do you think that other parishes ought to put plans in place to remain vigilant, to add increased security? To I mean, I remember during the 2020 riots, uh, Adrian and I both went and stood guard over Annunciation Church downtown Houston uh, because there was a credible threat against that parish, and so the the laymen stood up to stand guard all night long. Do you think that that's necessary now? Of course, it is. It is necessary, but at the same time, with caution, right? Because we 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 want people, our people, and others to realize. This is a place where you could come and encounter Christ, right? This disruption can only halt us for a moment, but not for a very long time, right? But I think as priests, I think we all should unite, okay, no more communion in the hand because you don't know who's going to desecrate, you don't know who's among us, right? People should learn to spend time in front of Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament and pray, for the conversion, right? And to encourage the growth in the Christian life, right? This is what we need to do because the people who are doing these things to us is not because they don't know Christ only, it's because of what we have become as Christians, right? We, we can't no longer treat our faith as if it's something private. We have to be witnesses to the truth in whatever way we can. And it does mean that we have to go in people's 
face, but live the Christian life, live the Catholic life, become more visible, because people will see us more than they hear us as Catholics, as Christians. You know, Father, what you're saying there really struck me. And I know it's like it's not that these people don't believe in the in the truths of the faith. It seems as though they it's because they believe in the truth of the faith that they're attacking the Catholic Church. Because I haven't seen any attacks against the Baptist. I haven't seen any attacks against courthouses. It's specifically the Catholic Church, and even even more specifically against the Holy Eucharist, saying that they're going to desecrate the Eucharist. I, there was a, a case in in Houston, another case in Houston, Saint Elizabeth and Seed, and they tried to steal a host from the church, and I'm sure this is happening all over America. Father, what are your thoughts about that particular aspect of it, the anti-Catholicism and anti-Eucharist aspect of it? But, you know, the devil always go for that which is true, right? Body, blood, soul, and divinity, Eucharist. That is precious to us because that's a life-giving gift that we celebrate every Sunday. They could have broken a window, broken a window, it means nothing, Right? But to take away, to try to take from us what is central, right? And what we stand for is the respect for life. And that is hard to find in a courthouse or in any other place, right? They never attack the rectory, the presbytery for the priest. It's always the church, it's always the Eucharist, mm. right? Yeah. Knowing that, Father, you know, as a priest, you are you are the the pastor of your congregation, and you have a lot of influence with your 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 fellow priests, your your fellow brethren. What advice do you give other priests who are listening right now, uh, in defense of their church? You know, this this is not an isolated event. In fact, attacks on the church have been escalating for years now, and um, and it seems to me that there's not a lot of serious attention to uh, to reinforcing the church to make sure that people can't do these sorts of things. I know you talked about not receiving or distributing Holy Communion in the hand. I think that's a fantastic example, but do you have any other advice that you would give to your fellow priests? So, well, you know, it all depends on the location, right? Um, so here at Holy Rosary, we have extra security. And what we try to do, we open the church maybe 15, 20, 15 to 20 minutes before um, confession, and then we close maybe 30 minutes after, and then for the 5 o'clock Mass and confession of 4, we open around 3.45, because where we are downtown, right? You know, we're in downtown, so it's a bit unique mm-hmm. in some places. But the people of God need to, you know, like step up, like you know, to become more visible now. Mm. Right? This is this is sacred. This is what they're attacking. What is important to us? A gift that was given to us, right? And it worth protecting because it's this gift. So, you know, I I, I think priests are to be prudent and vigilant as well as parishioners because this is their sacred place, right? Is there any sort of response from the uh, from the uh, the local ordinaries, from the bishops, or anything warning uh, different parishes that this is happening? Oh yeah, yeah. We 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 get our our, our a brief from um, the cardinal. Um, yeah, you know, tell us what is going on in other parishes and the things mm-hmm. that we need to do. Well, let me ask you a real quick question about the damage itself. How, I mean, just out of pure curiosity, how hard is it to remove that graffiti from the door? Is that a permanent stain, well, or do you have to repaint? I mean, how, do, how does that work? Uh, yeah, 
Uh, yeah, I think eventually we have to, but uh, I think we were quick enough. Because um, when I saw it in the morning, the first mm. thing I did was went to the hardware to get the, the remove of the graffiti. And we came back, sprayed it on like three, four times, and uh, scrubbed it off. And well, uh, we're lucky. I'm glad it was so easy to remove. Yeah. Praise be to God. Let me ask you real quick, yeah. and Eric, we have a minute or two left here with Father Peter Damien, OP from Our Lady, our the Holy Rosary Church in downtown Houston area. Uh, Father, what about acts of reparation? You know, we're, we're uh, Adrian's hosting a, a prayer rally this afternoon, so a lot of us are going to go and pray. To make acts of reparation, I think it's uh, I think it's very important for the laity to take these things very seriously. And as you said, our weapon of choice is prayer. Uh, but where is uh, where where should what should we be doing uh, in as far as acts of reparation, Father Peter Damien? Well, again, I think we should find somewhere where there's um, adoration, or go to your priest and encourage priests. That, you know, let's do this for an hour, for two hours, or three hours, whenever. And invite people to come and pray, you know, confession, rosary, act of mercy, a charity. Do these things for the salvation of souls. Because people are broken and they need us more than ever now. And this is clear because there's an attack on our, tru- on, on our church, right? Attack yeah. on the truth, right? And we, we, and we can't compromise that. How amazing would it be to see a large Eucharistic procession downtown? Wouldn't that be amazing? Seeing thousands oh, of Catholics that's, all over that's town my dream. come together. That's my dream. That's my, that's my dream. Yeah. That's my, my dream. I mean, every time I see, uh, uh, you know, processions in Poland or in uh, Austria or or even in uh, in Barcelona, for crying out loud, uh, I just I wish and pray that someday the Catholics in America will come together and make their faith boldly uh, witnessed in public like that. It would be just amazing. Father Peter Damien, pastor of Holy Rosary in Houston, thank you for your time today. God bless you. God love you. Have a great day. Thank you. Yes to God, yes to night. All right. We're going to go to break. We're going to come back, and uh, Rudy Carl is going to give us more breaking news and stories, and then we're going to be speaking with Dr. Peter Kwasniewski about holy obedience. What are your obligations? All of that is coming up next. Men, it's time. Moral relativism is growing and the soul of our nation is at stake. Nowhere is it more manifestly obvious than with the daily ongoing mass murder of abortion. As leaders, protectors, and providers, we must go first. In facing reality, taking responsibility, repenting for what we've done and haven't done, and resolving to do more. The opportunity is before us on Saturday, June 11th, the weekend before Father's Day in Tallahassee, Florida. We'll be gathering at 12 p.m. and embarking on a four-mile march of prayer and sacrifice that will culminate in a 2 p.m. rally at the Florida State Capitol. We welcome all women, children, and families to join us in standing up for the personhood of the preborn at the 2 p.m. rally. We're also hoping Governor Ron DeSantis will join us and assure us that he will lead on life. Join us June 11th in Tallahassee. For more information, go to the Men's March. 
Hi, this is Walter Crawford with Homeschool Connections, a proud sponsor of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Please save the date for this year's The Catholic Homeschool Conference. It's virtual, so you can attend from the comfort of your own home or from an in-person watch party in your local community. It's Friday, June 10th and Saturday, June 11th. Our theme this year is empowering you to homeschool joyfully. May God continue to bless your homeschool journey. More information is available at catholichomeschoolconference.com. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And now, more headlines. Reuters reports, face scanner firm Clearview AI agrees to limits to settle lawsuit. The facial recognition startup Clearview AI agreed to restrictions on how businesses can use its database of billions of facial images to resolve a lawsuit accusing it of collecting people's photos without permission. Clearview AI, based in New York, can still work on with federal government agencies, including immigration authorities as well as state government agencies outside of Illinois. The ACLU, who filed the lawsuit, accused Clearview AI of repeatedly violating the Illinois Biometric Information Privacy Act by scraping photos taken from the Internet, including from platforms such as LinkedIn and Instagram. Breitbart reports Firearms Policy Coalition urges Senate Judiciary Committee to oppose Biden's ATF nominee. FPC Policy Council Matt LaRosiere told Breitbart News, There's no doubt that the ATF has repeatedly broken the trust of the people, especially in recent years. An administration concerned with the rule of law would attempt to restore our trust by nominating someone who could dispassionately rein in the ATF and put a stop to its attempts to sidestep Congress and legislate by fiat. Instead, it seeks to appoint a known partisan who publicly espouses an aggressive anti-gun owner ideology. The only thing to do here is to immediately withdraw the nomination of Stephen Dettelbach. The Daily Wire reports chest binders and packing underwear featured in Target's new Pride Month collection. Target will be selling breast binders and packing underwear as part of its latest clothing collection just ahead of the supposed Pride Month in June. The retailer is known for celebrating June in an egregiously degenerate way, offering a pride collection for kids, specifically babies, for years. This year, kids' items in their collection include toddler tees that proclaim trans rights are human rights and shirts emblazoned with pronouns. Toddler books in the collection include Bye Bye Binary and the Pronoun Book. So think about that when you support Target. Hey, are you looking for uh, another way to stay in contact with Catholic Drive Time? Check us out on the App Store. Look for uh, the podcast version of our feed at Catholic Drive Time. And make sure to leave a three, a, not a three-star review, a five-star review. So that we can get uh, spread to all over the, the, the internet and more people can see us. Thank you. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up today. Joining us right now via Zoom chat is Dr. Peter Kwasniewski. He holds a uh, Ph.D from Catholic University of American Philosophy, and he's a a scholar at the Aquinas Institute in Green Bay. And he's also been a part of the Mass of the Ages uh, film trilogy. I think it's going to be a trilogy, and the next release is coming out soon, and we're looking forward to that. But he is also the author of a book called True Obedience in the Catholic Church, a guide to discernment in challenging times. Dr. Peter Kwasniewski, good morning to you. Thank you for being on with us. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Praise be to God. We're grateful for your time today. You know, obedience is kind of a hot-button issue these days. I mean, it always has been in the church, of course, but I think many Catholics today are feeling very conflicted when it comes to obedience. Obedience to Holy Church, to the Pope, to the bishops, to teaching, 
and you know, in conflict with the world around us and how we interpret that. Can we start with defining some terms? What does it mean to be obedient, first as a layman, but then possibly a priest, a bishop, etc.? Yes, so obedience is the virtue by which we submit uh, our intellect and will to a superior, to one who is placed over us by God. Um, and therefore, you know, right away when you, when you define it that way, um, you have to ask, well, who is the superior? Does he really rule with God's authority? And given that only God alone is perfectly true and just and holy, and every human authority can fail and falter, uh, you have to look at what is the basis for the authority and what are the limits to it. Because every human created authority has limits. Uh, in other words, we're not obedient in regard to everything, but obedient in regard to precisely those things over which that authority has command or, or discretion. Um, so really what you could think of is obedience places us uh, into, it, it places us into a hierarchy of authority uh, whereby we, if we're a lower part of that, like a layman, we're subordinate to the next rank, who's subordinate to the next rank, to the next rank, all the way going up to God, the source of all authority. And therefore, all of these lower authorities have to harmonize with divine authority. That's just a general statement. I think, uh, I mean, myself, I'm speaking for myself here, life is easier when it's on or off. Life is easier when it's black and white. It's the nuance that becomes more complicated and, uh, and frankly, you know, guys like me don't want to deal with that. And I think this falls into that category because it's easier, like, especially as a convert to the church, somebody who was raised uh, non-Catholic, anti-Catholic in some ways, uh, very much uh, uh, anti-Catholic. And when you come into the church, you're like, okay, I've got to give my fidelity to Holy Mother Church, especially to the Pope, etc. And then we find ourselves in complicated situations where you're like, wait, what did he, what, what did he just say? What, what was, what, what? I, yeah, now we're conflicted and now we, we want to avoid these conversations with friends and family. How do we respond to that? Exactly. So really, I mean, obedience, um, the way I like to, to say it is <clears throat> obedience is a very important virtue, but it's not the only virtue. Uh, there's charity, there's humility, there's love of the truth, right? Adherence to the truth. Um, and so obedience has to be seen as, as one piece in this beautiful mosaic of the virtues that make up the Christian life. Um, and in normal circumstances, uh, when we have a leader, and, and this is true of civil authority as well as religious authority, when we have a leader who's leading well with the common good in mind and following all the, the laws that that leader should follow, uh, then normally we can actually surrender ourselves to, we don't have to, think about you know, every single command. We don't have to parse it out and, and do a complicated study of it. We, we should normally be able to obey, and we should want to have a, a prompt readiness to obey. Um, but we also have to have what the tradition calls the sensus fidelium, that is, the sense of, of the faithful for what the Catholic faith is, what it teaches, so that if God forbid, but if we have a bishop who, let's say, becomes an Arian, as happened in the fourth century with just about all of the bishops, or semi-Arian, you know, and the bishop is teaching something false, something heretical, we have to be able to say, you know, I'm sorry, but I can't follow you in, in that regard. I'm not going to worship with you. I'm not going to follow you because what you're teaching is false, and I know it. I know it as a baptized layman, right? So we do have to take responsibility 
and God on the, on the judgment day is not going to say, oh, it's okay, you outsourced your mind and your will to somebody else, I'm just going to judge him. No, he's going to say, you knew, you should have known and you could have known certain things that I, I, that I expect you to know and that I've told you uh, in various ways, uh, and therefore, you know, you, you do have to take responsibility for yourself. Dr. Peter Kwasniewski is our guest. His book is called True Obedience in the Church, A Guide to Discernment in Challenging Times, which is published by Sophia Institute Press, by the way. So uh, let's, uh, how do we get to the place in, we're in our timeline now where the vast majority of Catholics are appalled if you don't go, you know, with the whole gambit of the, you know, the, the German synodal path is what I'm thinking about today. Like, if you don't agree that of everything that comes out of His Holiness's mouth on a Wednesday audience or an airplane interview, then you are somehow schismatic and heretic and just the evil incarnate. How do we get to that place? Well, I guess I would say <clears throat> that seems like a slight exaggeration to me. I mean, there, there definitely are some Catholics, I would say probably at this point a minority of Catholics, who hold to what you might call a hyper-papalist model, where, as you said, everything that the Pope says, uh, and is, it, we have to accept it, believe it, live by it. Um, but I, I think that the reality, both in terms of Catholic history and in terms of the present moment, is that there are certain things that we ignore or that we're inclined to ignore when the Pope says, because they strike us as, because they really are, just his opinion about things, right? I mean, it doesn't require a lot of education as a Catholic to know that when the Pope is just running at the mouth on an airplane interview, I mean, it could be interesting, it could be insightful, it could be, but it's not, he's not teaching us with magisterial authority, he's not teaching us as the supreme shepherd laying down some rule of faith or morals, you know, that everybody has to obey. If the Pope is going to do that, he needs to make it clearly known. That, that's what Vatican I uh, definitely expresses to us, right? If the Pope uh, speaks ex cathedra from his throne uh, and makes it known that he's binding us to a certain course of action, then we certainly had better obey that in every case. Um, but Popes have actually been rather hesitant to do that. Um, and that's because they realize that much of what they're teaching isn't, the stakes are not that high. They're not dealing with something which is a matter of salvation or damnation. <clears throat> and you can see that with like John Paul II, uh, frequently in his documents, he would even say, such and such is my opinion, you know, just to make mm -hmm. it clear that we weren't, that he was just offering his, his own, mm, let's say his own prudential judgment on the matter. So I, I think, I think though there is confusion because some Catholics really do, um, they're mistaken about the nature of authority. Uh, and authority is meant to guard the received inheritance of the Catholic faith. Right, mm -hmm. The deposit of faith, as well as the traditions of the faith, everything to do with our liturgy, for example, the Pope is obliged to receive those things and then defend them. Um, and it, it, again, it doesn't take a lot of, of knowledge of history, of Catholic Church history, to see that that's exactly how the Popes have always seen their role. Um, so that's the attitude that we need to have as well. We should be uh, receivers, grateful receivers of tradition, and, then, and we should obey those who also gratefully receive tradition. All right, hold that thought. Dr. Peter Kwasniewski is our guest. His book is called True Obedience in the Church, A Guide to Discernment in Challenging Times, published by Sophia Institute Press. And there's still a whole lot of questions we want to ask and how this impacts the lay faithful in obedience to their priest or their bishop or the priest to the bishop or the bishop to the pope. 
and how this affects, like, for instance, the traditional communities of, like, uh, FSSP and having to celebrate Nova Sordo. All of that coming up on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. Men, it's time. Moral relativism is growing and the soul of our nation is at stake. Nowhere is it more manifestly obvious than with the daily, ongoing mass murder of abortion. As leaders, protectors, and providers, we must go first. In facing reality, taking responsibility, repenting for what we've done and haven't done, and resolving to do more. The opportunity is before us on Saturday, June 11th, the weekend before Father's Day, in Tallahassee, Florida. We'll be gathering at 12 p.m. and embarking on a four-mile march of prayer and sacrifice that will culminate in a 2 p.m. rally at the Florida State Capitol. We welcome all women, children, and families to join us in standing up for the personhood of the preborn at the 2 p.m. rally. We're also hoping Governor Ron DeSantis will join us and assure us that he will lead on life. Join us June 11th in Tallahassee. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. Hi, this is Walter Crawford with Homeschool Connections, a proud sponsor of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Please save the date for this year's The Catholic Homeschool Conference. It's virtual, so you can attend from the comfort of your own home or from an in-person watch party in your local community. It's Friday, June 10th and Saturday, June 11th. Our theme this year is empowering you to homeschool joyfully. May God continue to bless your homeschool journey. More information is available at catholichomeschoolconference.com. Christ, welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you, praise be to God. Dr. Peter Kwasniewski is our guest. His book is True Obedience in the Church, published by Sophia Institute Press, and there's just we're so much we want to dive into and so little time to do it. Welcome back to the show, Dr. Kwasniewski. Um, let me ask you, can we, can we can you give us some examples? I was thinking as as a layperson, my obedience to my bishop is different than that of the priest to the bishop or to a religious to their superior. Um, can you give us some ideas of where we might find contradiction with our bishop, where our bishop may ask us to do something, but we aren't obligated to do it? I mean, it doesn't have to be sinful or evil, just in the normal life. Are there any examples you might consider? Yes, um, I could give a few examples. One, one would be if a bishop or a pastor, because a pastor has a certain authority over his, his uh, flock, if, if he were to demand that parents enroll their children in a First Communion or a Confirmation class, uh, the parent could say, no thank you, I'm, I'm actually educating my children at home, as is my God-given responsibility and right. Um, I'm the first educator, I'm the only natural educator of my children. Everybody else educates them uh, in a certain sense by my permission. I mean, St. Thomas is quite clear about this. Uh, and so actually we're doing catechism at home. I'll show you what the program is. It's very thorough. You can quiz them at the end. Of course, that's your, 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 your prerogative is to make sure that they're prepared. You can totally do that. But we're going we're gonna to prepare them at home. We're quite happy to do that. And that's what we all, we've always done. Um, and the parish priest can't say, oh, no, I'll deny you the sacraments if you don't go into our CCD program. That's, that's yeah. a clear example. Uh, and you know that would be a whole separate show to talk about. That. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't know that was the case because I've heard many cases where that yeah. exact thing has happened to people, and they say For sure. that you have to send your kids to CCE. But it's false, and it can be shown to be false by the by magisterial teaching. Wow. Um, so that's the first thing. Another example, you know, this I've also heard this where where 
people have been given the runaround for not putting their children into the parochial school and for mm. just for homeschooling, like as if that's mm. something that's somehow second best or or, sh or even a questionable dubious. No, that's com that's completely fallacious. Um, <clears throat> another example would be if a priest were to decide to celebrate the Mass ad orientem. Now I'm talking about the Novus Ordo because the traditional Mass has to be celebrated ad orientem. But if he says, I'm going to celebrate it facing east, and the bishop says, no, you're not allowed to do that. I won't let you do that. That's, that's completely illegitimate on the part of the bishop because it runs against the rubrics of the Novus Ordo. It runs against all of the Vatican's statements on the subject. So the bishop is simply... Um, he's 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 falsely he's asserting a false authority at that point. Uh, just the fact just because he's moderator of the liturgy in his diocese doesn't mean he can just disagree with universal legislation about the liturgy. Um, so that would be another example that I could give. You know that makes me think of you mentioned earlier of JP 2s comments about you know I'm speaking uh, from just my own personal opinion and Benedict the Sixteenth famously wrote his his trilogy where he signed it under Cardinal Ratzinger rather than Benedict the 16th and I made me think of the article you put out back in o October about Carol Wotiwa uh, having this IA this what we might consider today disobedience but it was for a higher law it was for the salvation of souls it had a state of necessity could you speak about it's circumstances where n and obedience may not necessarily be required because of a higher law, if, as long as you're not breaking God's law. Yes. Yeah, well, the example that you mentioned, you know, Karol Wojtyla as, as Archbishop of Krakow um, was, ordaining, uh, was ordaining clergy clandestinely against the agreement that the Vatican had made with, the, uh, with the, the, the communist authorities that such things wouldn't happen or wouldn't be done without their, without their knowledge. This, the so-called Ostpolitik, the, the policy of rapprochement with the communists in Eastern Europe. Um, and he wasn't the only one who, who at the time recognized that the Vatican's deal with the communist authorities was very much at the cost of Catholics. It was, it was to the benefit of the communists and it was at the expense of ordinary faithful. The, I'm not saying necessarily that the Vatican's intentions were bad. Um, that's another, quest, another question entirely. Maybe we can't even decide that question. But whatever their intentions were, the actual policy on the ground was not working. It was, it was to the detriment of the Catholic Church. And a bishop who, in, in a communist country, could say to himself, you know, I have a fundamental responsibility to provide the sacraments, for my faithful. That is much more important than any deal with the communist government. And I'm going to continue to do that through ordaining clergy, through confirming, through um, whatever, you know, through making sure that mass is celebrated, even if clandestinely, even, even if it's against various agreements. So really that's where, that's where the idea comes in of the hierarchy, right, of authority. Being able to see what is more important and what is less important, uh, or what is required and what is not required or optional. Um, so St. Thomas, actually, let me just make this quick point. St. Thomas has a really nice layout in the Summa where he says there's sufficient obedience for salvation, there's perfect obedience, which, is, which he assigns only to the religious who make a vow of obedience to their superior, and then there's indiscreet obedience, which he says is too much obedience. That is, obedience about the wrong things or at the wrong time or in the wrong way, um, particularly when, when a superior commands something unlawful and the, the subject goes ahead and does it because he says, well, I should be obedient. St. Thomas calls that indiscreet obedience, meaning you're not using discretion. You're not using mm -hmm. good judgment.
And to speak to that, you know, we're, a lot of us are in a situation now uh, post this uh, motu proprio traditionis custodis where, you know, we we would like to continue to approach the the mass in the traditional form, uh, you know, according to 1962 or even before, and and we're feeling as if there's uh, a disobedience there. We're being labeled as rebellious. I think also of, uh, for example, uh, the, the recent story of the Carmel in Philadelphia that's being forced to uh, to uh, confederate with different uh, communities. What would you say was uh, some practical advice for people who are, are kind of being labeled as rebellious or being set off to the side as uh, disobedient? Yes, uh, and of course my, my little book on true obedience really goes into that somewhat, although I, I do that in other writings as well. Yeah, it's a very good question. What, what we have to understand is a fundamental principle which Pope Benedict XVI himself said very clearly. He said, what was sacred in the past remains sacred and great today and cannot be declared harmful or forbidden. Okay, that's, now that statement is not just a prudential or disciplinary decision. That's a statement of fact. Mm -hmm. That's an absolute theological statement. What was sacred in the past remains sacred and great to the present cannot be forbidden or declared harmful. Okay, so basically the, chur the church's traditional liturgy, which was developed and prayed by her saints, for over a period of 2,000 years until the liturgical reforms, this could never be something to be ashamed of, something that we should not love, something that we should not cherish, uh, something that we could be considered rebellious for loving. That's impossible. If you say that, you are cutting the branch of the Catholic Church off on mm -hmm. which you are sitting, right? Oof, <laughs> I mean, ouch. Ju just, like, just like if a pope were to say, you know, by my papal authority, I declare that there is no such thing as papal authority, right? I mean, that would be, we would recognize that as a contradiction. Well, it's not any different if a pope says, I'm using my authority to try to suppress the traditional liturgy of the Roman Church. That's, he's just sawing the branch off on which he's sitting. Because if the church was wrong for so many centuries to worship in this way, and if the saints were wrong to love this liturgy, right, then why should we listen to what the Pope says today? Why should we accept his new liturgy if he's rejecting the old liturgy, right? That, that makes no sense. It might be the case, it might be, I, there, there are debates about this, that a Pope could have the authority to provide an alternative right uh, he could provide, he could say, here's a modern version of this rite, if it helps you, if it helps evangelization or whatever, but not in such a way that he's canceling out the former rite. Right. Yeah. That's, that's never been done, and it cannot happen. Um, and really, by their fruits, you shall know them. If there's, if there's a modern form of worship, and it's really successful, and it's bringing tons of people into the church, conversions, reversions, everything... Then, then you know, praise be Jesus Christ. I mean, this the fruits show it. But if it's having the opposite fruits, uh, which is what's happened in 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 North America and in or in the Americas and in in Western Europe, it's having exactly the opposite fruits. It's time to re-examine and yeah. say, okay, well, maybe that those liturgical reformers, however well intentioned they were, were really seriously mistaken. Mm. And what the church actually needs to do is to cling to her tradition and re and and return to her tradition, right? We, so that's what I would. That's what I would say. We only have about a, a minute and a half left in our conversation with Dr. Peter Kwasniewski. Can I just ask you? Recently, there's been a report out that, that the Pope is asking for FSS or wants to demand that Pope uh, that bishops make FSSP priests say the Novus Ordo on Holy Thursdays. Uh, should they be asked to do that? Forced to do that? Could they say no? We're not going to do that. What say you? But Dr. Peter Kwasniewski. 
Yes, yes. In fact, I just published an article about that a couple of days ago on Wednesday at 1 Peter 5. So you can see all of my arguments there. But my basic answer is no, they shouldn't be asked to do that for the simple reason, two simple reasons. First, that there are many other ways to show their communion with the bishop. If the theory is that everybody should, all the priests should celebrate the, the chrism mass or, or on, on Holy Thursday to show their unity with the bishop, there are other ways in church tradition to do that, even just for them to come to, to assist in choir or to receive the holy oils that are consecrated at the, at the chrism mass uh, or to pray for the bishop in the canon of the mass. These are all signs of their unity with the bishop. Nobody who really was schismatic with the bishop would do any of these things. Right, yeah. um, secondly, because canon law, canon 902, is very clear that the, the church gives a permission to concelebrate not, not a permission to celebrate Mass privately or, or singul singularly, but, to, but the permission is to <clears throat> concelebrate. So you're allowed to concelebrate, but you don't ever have to. And the canon law is absolutely clear about this. So unless canon law is changed, which unfortunately in this pontificate it seems like canon law as well as the catechism get changed whenever somebody decides <laughs> that they want to do things in a different direction. But, but if canon law is the way it is, and it has always been that way um, ever since concelebration started, then no priest should be forced against his will or even asked against his will to concelebrate. Um, there are other reasons, too, that I go into in that article. Well, check out that article, which we'll put in the uh, chats of our live video stream to 1 Peter 5 for more on that. But Dr. Peter Kwasniewski, author of True Obedience in the Church, A Guide to Discernment in Challenging Times, published by Sophia Institute Press. God bless you. God love you. Thank you for your time today. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for having me again. All right. Praise be to God. We'll have to have you back. There's so many more questions that relate to this topic, so uh, hopefully soon we'll get them back on. That is going to do it for hour number one of Catholic Drive Time. Thank you for joining us today. Do us a favor and uh, share us with a friend, but don't forget, if you can and are able to, tune in for the next hour. You can always watch online for more information, as well as joining our email list and everything else at grnonline.com forward slash cd. God bless you. God love you. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. March to end abortion and rally for personhood is Saturday, June 11th, the weekend before Father's Day, from 12 to 3 p.m. in Tallahassee, Florida. Men gather at 12 p.m. for the march. All women, children, and families join us for the 2 p.m. rally at the Florida State Capitol. You are needed. Every life matters. Join us on June 11th in Tallahassee. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, I accept some of the things the church teaches, but I could never embrace the entire creed because there are some things in it that I just don't have any use for. 
G.K. Chesterton says, you might as well say that there's a great many things in the Encyclopedia Britannica that you don't have any use for. The church, like the Encyclopedia, is meant for everybody and not just for you. It is meant for everybody, which just happens to include you. The Catholic Church is a combination of things that are nevertheless one thing. We cannot accept only part of it without rejecting all of it. Want more than a minute? Visit our website at www.chesterton.org. From the University of Dallas and as seen on EWTN. What can I do that is the definite service that God wants me to give to the world? Think of the, the challenges that we have coming from our culture. We really need the virtue of courage. Are you ready to put yourself into the hazard? Are you ready to say yes to the call? Are you ready to be a witness to love? The Quest. All episodes streaming now at quest.udallas.edu. Hi, I'm Father Chad Henry from the Archdiocese of Galveston, Houston. You're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. Tuesday, May the 10th, 2022. And uh, hopefully your day is going to go really well. Praise be to God. In spite of all that happens around the world... What an opportunity we have to give glory to God today, to praise Him with our words and our actions, to make reparation for the grave sins committed against His most sacred heart. And we're going to be doing some of that today, as a matter of fact. But we just wrapped up a conversation with uh, Dr. Peter Kwasniewski about obedience and his book, Obedience. Great conversation. If you missed it, you ought to catch the podcast version, which you can do on our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. The podcast usually appears within an hour after the show goes off the air. So we're talking, Look, go back and look around 9 Central 10 Eastern, and you should find the podcast on our website. It'll also be available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. You can find all of those links on our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. But one of the best ways is to simply download the Guadalupe Radio Network mobile app on your app store, and uh, you can actually listen to the local GRN station, find your contact information for your station manager, programming information, but as well as the Catholic Drive Time podcast and other Guadalupe Radio Network podcasts are all on the mobile app. So great way to stay in touch and to listen to the Catholic Drive Time as well. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. Praise be to God. That was a good conversation. Yeah, it was. It was so cool to talk to him. He was a, a great guest. And uh, I, th I believe we have a little bit more mm -hmm. uh, to share on that particular interview, right? Uh, I, well, we did have a protracted conversation that uh, that didn't uh, get onto the show. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll see. Well, we'll see what happens yeah. where that ends up. Maybe <laughs> in the CDT Insider Telegram group. I don't know. You have yeah. to be on the email list to get into that action. But uh, you know, um, I, it was going to be a, a long. It was going to be a shorter conversation. But we were excited to have him. You know, hang out with us even longer after 
So praise be to God for that. We also spoke with Father Peter Damien last hour. He is the pastor of Holy Rosary in, in the downtown Houston area, which was a church that was attacked by graffiti artists over the, over the weekend, the pro-abortion graffiti artists. And we discussed the attacks on the Catholic churches around the country to include the, the stealing of an entire tabernacle in the Houston area, which just breaks my heart. But, you know, it just reminded me, you know, uh, Bring, make make tabernacles great again. Put them back in the high altar. Bolt them down. It's really going to be hard to steal tabernacles when they're located in the high altar and bolted down. It's not going to be as easy. But anyway, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. Is it? It is, despite the fact that, you know, people are attacking our churches, stealing our tabernacles and... Uh, all, all together having some anti-Catholicism. It's good to be here because mm-hmm. we have an opportunity to make reparation for sins and outrages against the Sacred Heart of Jesus and the Immaculate Heart of Mary. So for everyone that are in the greater Houston area, if you would like to take a little bit of a drive to Discovery Green at 3 p.m. today, we're having a rosary of reparation and, uh, and reparation against all these evils that are going on against the church today because you know the anti-catholicism is on the rise yet again in america so we have to stand up and be bold we have to have calm courage and confidence and we have to fight uh with our weapon that our lady gave us which is the holy rosary amen to that praise be to god do you have the the extra kwashnevsky uh material i do i do have it uh, so we'll see what can we you can do. Can get that posted it. today in the CDT Telegram group? Uh, either that, or maybe we'll make it for everybody. We'll see what happens. Mm. So I'm well, Telegram to... first, and then we'll yeah. work on making it available to everybody. How about that? So we'll stick around for that. To make sure you're on the CDT Telegram group by being on the email list, all of which can be found on our website at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. We're going to jump in. We have a great hour for you this hour. Good news, Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, plus our game show and an after show all coming up this hour. Let's pray. Let's begin. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now your good news with Rudy Carlos. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And here's your good news story for the day. Epic Times reports teen grocery beggar pays for struggling grandma's $137 grocery bill, says something told me to. A teen grocery bagger felt compelled to pick up the bill for a struggling grandmother when she fell short of cash at the checkout. After learning what a massive impact her kind deed had, she is now sharing her story in hopes of promoting others to do so too. Texas A&M University student Maria Balboa had been working at an H-E-B grocery store for fewer than two months when an older woman and two children approached her checkout. At the time, I didn't know that they were her grandkids, Maria said. She was using a SNAP government assistance card to pay for her groceries, and it stated it only had $19 left on it. Hearing this, the woman was completely unaware and shocked to know that she had only that much money left on her card. She said she would have to put all the groceries back, besides a few items for dinner, Maria said. Maria asked the cashier for the outstanding sum, $137. She says, immediately, something told me to pay for the groceries, she recalled, despite the fact that the sum was a stretch for her. My heart hurt for this woman, especially for the two kids. I wanted them to have the groceries. 
Initially, the woman was embarrassed and reluctantly accepted help, but Maria insisted, settled the bill, and bagged the groceries, which included bread, butter, fruit, and a rotisserie chicken, as well as snacks for the kids. After paying for the woman, Maria went on with her day and never expected to hear from her again. She also didn't tell anyone about the encounter, as she was just happy to have helped somebody. However, a few days later, unbeknownst to Maria, the grateful customer had sent in a survey to her bosses. Maria says, I got called into the office and I thought I was in trouble, but no. They said someone wrote a survey about me and I thought it was a bad one at first, but he told me it was from the lady whose groceries I paid for. She explained that she had taken in her two grandkids when they were left by their mother. This was why the money had been so tight for her and she had to make a, take a lower paying job so that they wouldn't go to the foster care system. She thanked me for my kindness and that day, my kindness that day because it really helped her out. According to Maria, her managers were tearful and praised the grocery bagger for her heart, said Maria, who then listened in shock as they told her they were reimbursing her the $137 and gave her a gift basket to show their appreciation. The helpful college student admitted that the impact of her kind deed hit her on the way home that day and she couldn't hold back the tears. She then shared the story of the survey on Facebook, reaching thousands of supportive netizens. Amid praise for Maria, the grateful grandmother had written, God put this young lady at the bagging area for us. And that's really good news. God love you. The saint of the day is Saint Damien of Molokai. Born on January 3rd, 1840, as Joseph de Wooster was born in Tremelo, Belgium, when very few people in Europe had any first-hand knowledge of leprosy or Hansen's disease. By the time he died at the age of 49, people all over the world knew about the disease because of him. They knew that the human compassion could soften the ravages of this disease. He was forced to quit school at the age of 13 to work on the family farm. Joseph entered the Congregation of the Sacred Hearts of Jesus and Mary six years later. Taking the name of a 4th century physician and martyr, when his brother Pamphile, uh, a priest in the same congregation, fell ill and was unable to go to the Hawaiian Islands as assigned, Damien quickly volunteered in his place. And in May of 1864, two months after arriving in this new mission, Damien was ordained a priest in Honolulu and assigned to the island of Hawaii. In 1873, he went to the Hawaiian government's leper colony on the island of Molokai, set up just seven years earlier, and part of a team of four chaplains, taking the assignment for three months each year. Damien soon volunteered to remain permanently caring for the people's physical, medical, and spiritual needs. In time, he became their most effective advocate to obtain promised support from the government, and soon the settlement had new houses and a new church, school, and orphanage. Morale improved considerably, and a few years later, he succeeded in getting the Franciscan Sisters of Syracuse, led by Mother Marion Cope, to help staff this colony in Kalapapa. Damien, Damien contracted, contracted Hansen's disease and died of its complications. As requested, he was buried in Kalapapa, but in 1936, the Belgian government succeeded in having his body moved to Belgium. Part of Damien's body was returned to the beloved Hawaiian brothers and sisters after his beatification in 1995. When Hawaii became a state in 1959, it was selected, it selected Damien as one of its two representatives, representatives in the Statuary Hall in the U.S. Capitol. He died on April 15, 1889, St. Damien of Molokai, 
pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from John chapter 10, verses 22 through 30. The feast of the dedication was taking place in Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus walked about in the temple area on the portico of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify to me, but you do not believe, because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can take them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all and no one can take them out of the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. You know, they had ulterior motives. They had been told many times, in addition to the miracles, the works, and everything else. I mean, they knew the deal, but they were hoping to trap him. They wanted him to make a very clear, definitive statement that they could use against him so he could read their hearts, and he flips it on them. Praise be to God. Hadock's commentary says, Christ here says that his sheep hear his voice and follow him. But let us ask ourselves, do we cling close to those heavenly shepherd? Do we cling close to this heavenly shepherd? Do we follow him both by our faith and by our lives? Do we know him and hear his voice? Do we fly from strangers, the world, the flesh, and the devil? If so, we are his sheep indeed, and if we per persevere, he will bring us in spite of the world, the flesh, and the devil to the pastures of eternal life. But if we run away from our shepherd to follow these strangers, we must expect to fall a prey to wolves. Close quote. Haydock commentary today is amazing. Adrian, what did you find? Yes, Cornelius Lapide here says that our Lord here is making it clear that they may be one, and by one, he means not simply one in agreement and consent of the will only, as the Arians hold, but that of nature, honor, and power, that the Father and the Son is together unified as one in nature, honor, and power. So they, that proves and shows that our Lord Jesus Christ is, in fact, the God-man. He is 100% God, which makes me think of the outrages and sins against him today and the against like stealing a tabernacle, for instance, with our Lord present within that tabernacle. A desecration that happens to the Eucharist is an offense against God Almighty. That our Lord Jesus Christ is not simply another man who gets offended. If someone slaps me in the face, I'm offended. I feel shame. I feel anger. And it, it is a grave injustice for someone to do something like that. But to do that against God, that is a even more grave evil. Something that we have to fight against. So think about it this way. If someone slapped you in the face, you would be upset, right? Well, what if someone slapped your mother? Or someone slapped your father in the face. Though that anger and indignation, it would be right and just for you to be both sad and angry about something happening in that manner. So how much more the infinite majesty of God, the person who is in fact the creator of the world, who humbled himself to allow himself to be hurt by us. Because by his nature, he can't be hurt by us. By his nature, he is infinite and all-powerful. But it is through humility, through his condescension, 
that he has allowed himself to be subject to us, that we can receive him. And as St. Thomas says, that to many it will be damnation to them, but to many it will be their salvation. So let us pray that when we receive the Eucharist, when we pray before the Blessed Sacrament, that it may be a salvation to us and not be our condemnation. Let us make acts of reparation today. Let us pray the rosary for, those, uh, for the reparation of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, the Immaculate Heart of Mary, and let us do this today and, and make trips to Adoration Chapel. These are our call to actions for today. Praise be to God. And if you're in the Houston area, 3 p.m., Discovery Green, there's a rosary rally for reparation for the crime of stealing the tabernacle and St. Bartholomew's there in Katie. So join us if you can, 3 p.m., Discovery Green in the Houston area. All right, time to go to break. We're going to play our game, Fear and Trembling, Catholic Trivia Game Show, where prizes are at stake and you could win. You don't need to know the answers to the questions. We'll, we won't be asking you anyway. So it's fun. It's a good time, but you do need to make a phone call. Call right now. Phone lines are open, 877-757-9424. Rudy Carlos standing by to take your call right now. 877-757-9424-877-757-9424. Are there any basic rules for doing apologetics? 1 Peter 3.15 says, always be prepared to make a defense. Always be prepared, Scripture tells us. How can we always be prepared to make a defense of our faith? Rule number one, pray. Pray to the Holy Spirit that he give you the courage to share your faith and the wisdom to choose your words carefully and profitably. Rule number two, you don't have to know everything right now. Learn a little bit more about your faith each and every day. Read scripture. Read the catechism. Listen to apologetics tapes. Listen to Catholic radio. Learn a little bit at a time. Rule number three, Luke 5 verse 10. Do not be afraid. Henceforth you will be catching men. Jesus said this to Peter, but he's also saying it to us. Will you make mistakes and get into tight spots when you start sharing your faith with others? Yes, of course you will. But Peter made mistakes and he got into tight spots. Yet Jesus told Peter not to be afraid. Why? Because if we are sincere in our desire to share the truth with others, to share Jesus Christ with others, then Jesus will find a way to make good come from even our mistakes. Rule number four, always view a question about your faith or even an attack on your faith as an opportunity, an opportunity to share truth. Rule number five, don't get frustrated. Catholics often get frustrated by what I call the doctrinal dance. You get asked about purgatory, Mary, the Pope, sacraments, all in rapid-fire succession. Before you can answer one question, you're asked another, then another. Just keep bringing the discussion back to one topic until you've said all you want to say, then move on. Rule number six, never be afraid to say, I don't know, when asked a question about your faith. Don't try to wing it. However, always follow I don't know with, but I will find out and get back to you and make sure you do. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show where we have secrets and agendas 
All right? So you got to promise me not to tell anybody what I'm about to tell you. All right? You ready? Number one, we like to teach the faith, so we look for teachable moments in the questions where you might learn something about your Catholic faith that you did not know before. Praise be to God. We like to have a laugh and a good time, and our callers are amazing. Praise be to Jesus. They laugh with us, and we enjoy that most. And then, of course, we give out prizes, which makes this a winner for everybody involved. But here's the kicker. Here's the catch. If you're just joining us, let me explain. I have three Catholic trivia questions in front of me, but we will not be asking the caller these questions. They don't need to know the correct answers. They could still win without ever knowing a correct answer. That's because instead of asking them, I will ask Rudy, I will ask Adrian, one of which will be correct, and the other will be incorrect. The caller will then have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whomst do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian? And uh, one of which will be correct, as I said, and the correct answer will go into the coffee cup of Divine Providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? Praise be to God, our sponsor this week is Rose Custom Planners. And uh, do you need to get a hold of your life? Well, Rose Custom Planners has you covered. From planners to recipe books and mass journals, you'll get a head start to your organizational goal. She even offers custom orders. Listeners can also get 20% off all orders by using the promo code CATHOLICDRIVETIME. Use it uh, in all capital letters, CATHOLICDRIVETIME. Visit rosecustomplanners.com today. Thank you. Praise be to God. Thank you, Rose Custom Planners. Very grateful to you. Let's go to the phones. Jennifer, good morning to you. Good morning. Praise be to God, Jennifer. Where are you calling from? Uh, well, we're in Denton, Texas now, but we started off in Ponder. My kids and I listen to your show every morning, so I have some helpers in the car. Whoa! <laughs> nice. You brought in the secret weapons. That's amazing. <laughs> Praise be to God. I bet, is that considered cheating? I don't know. It could be. I mean, they probably have all the answers. They probably have the cards and memorized all of them. Hey, guys. Good morning to you. Good morning. Are you guys off to school, or where are you going? Yeah, praise be to God. You, you don't sound too excited about that. I mean, school is amazing. It's it's a great time, right? It's you're, the best. You're going to have a great day, I am hoping. But are you ready to play our game? Yeah. Let me just ask yes, real, quick, real quick, real uh, quick, who do you think is trickier, Rudy or Adrian? Joe. Say Joe. There was only two options. What? A, yes, okay. Makes sense. That totally makes sense today. We all know it's Joe. I don't know. I'm on your side. I have no idea what he's talking about. Mm -hmm. let's, mm -hmm. let's play our game. All right. Okay. We're, we're going to start with uh, Rudy, as is the custom, the tradition, the patrimony here. I think I had, did have that cleared through the CDF. So. Uh, oh, that's great. Yeah. Praise be to God. All right. Thank here you we go. for obeying me, <laughs> Yes. Obedience. Obedience. <laughs> here we go. Rudy, are you ready? I'm ready. Uh, blue tie today. Blue tie. Oof. What does no. that mean? I'm not know. sure. I should call your wife and ask. But uh, <laughs> are you ready, sir? I'm ready. Are you sure? Yes. Are you sure? Yeah, I guess. Okay, let's start with an easy one. Okay. Name for me the fourth sorrowful mystery. Ah, uh, yes. Today we pray the sorrowful mysteries, and the fourth one is Mary meets Jesus at Golgotha. Really? Yes. Could you imagine what that was like? Devastating. Oof. Just, just look in the eyes. Yeah. Would be like gut-wrenching. Yeah, as a okay. parent, just imagine it. So Mary meets Jesus at Golgotha is your answer. Yes. The fourth sorrowful mystery of the Holy Rosary. Hmm. Well, guys, I think we've got to get a second opinion on this. We're going to go to Adrian for this one. Adrian. That's my name. Praise be to God uh, for the small victories of knowing who you are. 
Uh, can you answer for me, uh, what is the fourth sorrowful mystery of the Holy Rosary? Ah, yes. Yeah, that would be the carrying of the cross, meditating on the mm-hmm. shoulder wound of Christ. Mm-hmm. Is that he's carrying the cross to meet his mother at Golgotha? Well, he did meet her while carrying the cross, mm-hmm. but the mystery mm-hmm. is carrying of the cross. The, okay. Hmm. Well, seems to be some conflict here, Jennifer and the crew. Is it as Adrian says? Is it the carrying of the cross? Or is it as Rudy says, the meeting of his mother at Golgotha? 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Jennifer, okay. what say you? We, ha- we have this one. We, we did the rosary on the way to school. Uh, oh. Adrian. Hey, now. Oh. Wow. Praise God. No fooling you <laughs> That's guys. amazing. Praise be to God. It, it's hard to fool them when they're like praying the rosary every day. That's true. It makes that a little tricky, I would Thanks argue. be to God, yeah. praying the rosary. <laughs> Congratulations. You're in. You could win. Praise be to Jesus. But I think we're going to go ahead and double your chances with this next question, which is, in my opinion, not the easiest question of today. Yeah, I think this one might be the hardest question we've ever had in the history of the show. I of the history of the show? The history of the show. I was going to say in the history of the church, but okay. And we've done, we've done about a thousand questions at this point. So. Probably, yeah. Okay. But don't, don't feel any pressure, Jennifer. You don't need to know this answer to win. All right, here we go. We're going to go back to Adrian. That's me. Adrian, a long, decorated band of cloth worn around the neck and crossing the chest of the priest during the Mass is called a what? Yes. Mm-hmm. That would be the amis. The amis. The amis. Is that like Latin or something? Um, actually, I don't know. It, it might be. Amis, you say. An amis. Hmm, okay. Hey, Rudy, can you tell me? A long, decorated band of cloth worn around the neck and crossing the chest of the priest during the Holy Mass is called what? Well, if you go with Adrian, you might take a swing and a miss. Really? Because it's called a stole. A, a stole, you say? Stole. Hmm. I stole nothing. As in, you might stole a base in baseball. <laughs> I got where you're going with that. <laughs> Woo, speaking of swing and a miss. Okay. Well, uh, guys, let's see here. Let's see, check your liturgical expertise today. Because Rudy says it is called a stole that's worn around the neck and crossed over the chest of the priest at Holy Mass. Whereas Adrian says it's the amiss. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? What say you? Anthony is my author server, and he told me to say Adrian. No, go the other word. Oh, oh no! No! Oh, no. oh. <laughs> man! Oh. And well, amis yeah. is the cloth that goes over the head and then yeah. pulled down Tricky. over the shoulders. Well, the stole. Speaking of swinging the miss, I'm sorry. Now, t- t- okay. I would have said bandolier. That's that's what I was going <laughs> to say. Bandolier. I was going to say ban- I thought this was Cristero's priest we're talking about here. Uh, <laughs> crossed with bandoliers, but that's not the case either. In fact, it is the stole, and uh, it's worn crossed, and then they secure it with the tassel. Is that what is that called, Adrian? Uh, the um, oh man, you, I just forgot. Do I know exactly what you're talking about. The cord. The cord. Yeah, the is cord. Is it called the cord? What okay. is that called? 
don't See, we don't know either. It's All over. Right, but let's go with the next easy, super the easy. Rope. Easiest question of today. Well, maybe the second easiest. The mystery of the rosary is pretty easy. But this is pretty darn easy as well. We're going to go back to Rudy for this one. All right, Rudy. Blue tie. Today must mean that you are you're a go easy today. You're going to be very helpful answering this question correctly. Are you ready? I'm ready. What was the church's first martyr? That would be... Let me think about this. The yeah. first one, there's been so many. Uh, uh, St. Stephen, I think. St. Stephen? Yeah, St. Stephen. St. Stephen. St. Stephen. St. Stephen. Okay. Okay. Let's see what Adrian says. Adrian? The cincture. That was the, uh, that was the rope. You can tell where I'm, his mind is. There you go. Still in the last question. <laughs> the cincture. Okay, thank you. I appreciate you clarifying You're welcome. that. No problem. But uh, if it's okay, I'm going to ask you to answer this next question. Right, right, right. Who right. was the church's first martyr? Yes, the first martyr of the church. Yeah. That was mm. actually yes. one of my favorite saints of all time. Really? Yep. Wow. And that would be St. Thomas Aquinas. Whoa. Yeah. Oof. Mind blown. I know. Was he bilocating or like how did that happen? Bilocating. He yeah. was uh locating. He yeah. was locating temporally. Mm-hmm. Wow. Et cum spiritu tuo. That's amazing. Oh <laughs> uh, wow. Okay. Well, is it as uh, Adrian says, Thomas Aquinas temporally doing something? Or is it as Rudy says, Saint Stephen, fifteen seconds on the clock, who is right? Who is wrong? Who looked up and saw the heavens opened? Jennifer and crew, what say you? Okay, we are going to go with Rudy. You don't sound 100% mm. confident there. Hmm. <laughs> is it the blue tie? Is it the blue tie? Yes. That was an easy one, right? I mean, you, you, I tried to make that more interesting, but who doesn't know St. Stephen? Congratulations, guys. You're in for two. Praise be to God. Uh, have a great day at school. I know you're going to love history. It's obviously everybody's favorite course. So St. <laughs> Stephen is a good history question to end on. But thank you for playing our game. Thanks for having a laugh. Thank you. God bless you. I want to put you on hold, but uh, enjoy your day. That is going to do it for the radio side of our show. If you can and are able to hang out with us in the after show, where we get a lot more casual and you get to drive that conversation. And maybe I'll tell you about how I went to go visit the leper colony in Hawaii on St. Damien's Feast Day. All that coming up on our live social feeds on YouTube, Twitter, Odyssey. Go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt. God bless you. God love you. See you back here tomorrow. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. 
Today we celebrate Tuesday of the fourth week of Easter. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. Jesus Christ is risen today. Hallelujah. Our triumphant holy day. Hallelujah. Who did once upon the cross? Suffer to redeem our loss. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. Brothers and sisters, let us call to mind our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done, in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask the Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and to you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kyrie eleison. Kyrie eleison. Christ eleison. Christ eleison. Kyrie eleison. Kyrie eleison. Let us pray. Father of mercy, who gave us in St. Damien the Voister a shining witness of love for the poorest and most abandoned, grant that by his intercession, as faithful witnesses of the heart of your Son, Jesus, we too may be servants of the most needy and rejected. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. Those who had been scattered by the persecution that arose because of Stephen went as far as Phoenicia, Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word to no one but Jews. There were some Cypriots and Cyrenians among them, however, who came to Antioch and began to speak to the Greeks as well, proclaiming the Lord Jesus. The hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The news about them reached the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to go to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the grace of God, he rejoiced and encouraged them all to remain faithful to the Lord in firmness of heart, for he was a good man filled with the Holy Spirit and faith, and a large number of people was added to the Lord. 
Then he went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught a large number of people. And it was in Antioch that the disciples were first called Christians. The word of the Lord. Thanks. All you nations, praise the Lord. All you nations, praise the Lord. His foundation upon the holy mountains the Lord loves. The gates of Zion more than any dwelling of Jacob. Glorious things are said of you, O city of God. All you nations, praise the Lord. I tell of Egypt and Babylon among those who know the Lord. Of Philistia, Tyre, Ethiopia, this man was born there. And of Zion they shall say, One and all were born in her, and he who has established her is a most high Lord. All you nations, praise the Lord. They shall note when the peoples are enrolled, This man was born there, and all shall sing in their festive dance, My home is within you. All you nations, praise the Lord. Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. My sheep hear my voice, says the Lord. I know them and they follow me. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. The feast of the dedication was taking place in Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus walked about in the temple area on the portico of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify to me. But you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can take them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one can take them out of the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. This morning's Gospel begins with a sentence that tells us the feast of the dedication was taking place in Jerusalem and that it was winter. Both of those are indications of something which is of course going to be happening in the life of Jesus. The feast of the dedication celebrated the renewal of worship that took place in the temple around 165 BC by Judas Maccabeus, a kind of rededication after the temple had been profaned. And so it was a reconsecration and a reinstitution of proper worship in the temple at the time. In fact, this, of course, is what we nowadays call the Feast of Hanukkah or the Festival of Lights. And what John is going to be pointing to in today's Gospel is that 
in Jesus himself, he is going to be the full and truest sense of renewal of worship to the Father. Jesus is going to be the reconciliation between God and man. He is the one who is going to open up the pathway to communion with the Father because he is the innocent Lamb of God who is going to offer himself as a oblation so that we can be reconciled to the Father. In other words, today's reading is reminding us that Jesus is the true Lamb of God who is the only sacrifice and offering truly pleasing to the Father that has achieved reconciliation between God and man. And Jesus is the Good Shepherd. He is the one who leads by making himself the least. The Good Shepherd doesn't lead from a castle up on the hill, but rather he comes amidst his sheep and he leads from behind, as it were, or he leads from the midst of his flock. In other words, by God becoming one of us and entering into our condition, he takes our humanity upon himself, and thus in his divinity, his sacrifice carries an infinite merit, and in his humanity, he touches our life, and therefore his offering and his sacrifice is able to redeem us and able to achieve full reconciliation. The Gospel tells us that it was winter time, which of course would have been the usual time for the Feast of the Dedication. However, it's also winter an image of kind of a closeness or a frostiness of heart, if you will. In today's Gospel, we hear the Jews gather around and they ask Jesus a question, how long are you going to keep us in suspense regarding your identity? But by saying it's winter, John is telling us their hearts are actually really close to Jesus. Uh, they're frosty and they're chilled, and they're not truly open to the reality of who Jesus is as the mediator between God and man, as the authentic Lamb of God, and as the Good Shepherd who comes to lead his sheep toward salvation. My brothers and sisters, for us on today's Mass as we proceed forward, we are called to intimately open our hearts to Jesus the Good Shepherd, to remember that he is the true Lamb of God, he is the one who became one of us in order to reconcile us with the Father and to recall that he truly is striving to lead us into the communion that he shares with his Father in the Holy Spirit. This, in fact, is the glory of what we celebrate at every Mass, that in receiving Jesus, we too then are called and receive a share in this heavenly communion and are then called to go out and share this communion with others. Lastly, of course, today's Gospel, Jesus points out that those who belong to his flock have the tremendous security of belonging to the Good Shepherd. That we know if we belong to the Lord, if we strive to live in his love and to have our hearts warm and open toward him, that he is a certain guide to lead us to communion with the Father and a certain guide to lead us toward our salvation. And so today we have our hearts filled with gratitude and let us ask God that as we proceed forward in this Eucharistic sacrifice that we would truly receive Jesus into our hearts, allow him to penetrate into our soul so that we too could enter into this communion with the Father. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters, filled with paschal joy, let us pray more earnestly to God that he who graciously listened to the prayers and supplications of his beloved Son may now be pleased to look upon us in our lowliness. 
for the shepherds of our souls, that they may have the strength to govern wisely the flock entrusted to them by the Good Shepherd. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For the whole world, that it may truly know the peace given by Christ. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For our brothers and sisters who suffer, that their sorrow may be turned to gladness, which no one can take from them. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For our own community, for those joining us online and by radio, that we may bear witness with great confidence to the resurrection of Christ. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And for those intentions that we hold in our heart. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. O God, who know that our life in this present age is subject to suffering and need, hear the desires of those who cry to you and receive the prayers of those who believe in you through Christ our Lord. Amen. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. All else be not to me, save that thou art. Thou my best thought, by day or by night. Waking or sleeping, thy presence my light. Be thou my wisdom, and thou my true word. I ever with thee, and thou with me, Lord. Thou my great Father, thine own may I be. Thou in me dwelling, and I one with thee. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands. Praise and glory of his name for our good and good of all his holy church. Look upon the sacrificial gifts we offer, Almighty God, on the feast day of Blessed Damien, and grant that we who celebrate the mysteries of the Lord's Passion may imitate what we now do through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your heart. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation. At all times to acclaim you, O Lord. But in this time above all, to laud you yet more gloriously. When Christ our Passover has been sacrificed. By the oblation of his body, he brought the sacrifices of old to fulfillment in the reality of the cross. And by commending himself to you for our salvation, showed himself the priest, the altar, and the lamb of sacrifice. Therefore, overcome with paschal joy, Every land, every people exalts in your praise. 
and even the heavenly powers with the angelic host sing together the unending hymn of your glory as they acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Plenis Uncheliatera, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy. And you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, we humbly implore you, by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. mystery of faith. When we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim your death, O Lord, until you come again. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray upon the oblation of your church and recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself. Grant that we who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son and filled with his Holy Spirit may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your hope, blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, with St. Damien and with all the saints, on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth with your servant, Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, 
the order of bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family whom you have summoned before you. In your compassion, O merciful Father, gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. Remember your servants, Tom and Mark, whom you have called from this world to yourself. Grant that they who were united with your son in a death like his may also be one with him in his resurrection, when from the earth he will raise up in the flesh those who have died and transform our lowly body after the pattern of his own glorious body. To our departed brothers and sisters too, and to all who are pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory, when you will wipe away every tear from our eyes. For seeing you, our God, as you are, we shall be like you for all the ages, and praise you without end, through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow on the world all that is good. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Preceptis salutaribus moniti, et divina institutione formati, audemus dicere. Pater noster, qui es in celis, sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniat reinum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicur in celo et in terra, panem nostrum quotidianum, da nobis odiae, et imite nomis debita nostra, sicur et nos dimitimus, debitoribus nostris, et ne nos enducas in tentacionem, se libera nos amalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil, graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. On your stay, quit all this peccatamundi, miserere nobis. On your stay, Quit all this peccatamundi, miserere nobis. On your stay, quit all this peccatamundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb.
Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you are already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Godhead here in hiding, whom I do adore. Masked by these bare shadows, shape at nothing more. See, Lord, at thy service, low lies here a heart. Lost, all lost in wonder at the God thou art. Seeing, touching, tasting, are in thee deceived. How says trusty hearing, that shall be believed. What God's Son has told me, take for truth I do. Truth himself speaks truly, or there's nothing true. On the cross thy Godhead made no sign to men. Here thy very manhood steals from human ken. Both are my confession, both are my belief. And I pray the prayer of the dying thief. Let us pray. By the power of this mystery, O Lord, confirm your servants in the true faith, that they may everywhere profess in word and deed the faith for which blessed Damien never ceased to labor, and for which he spent his whole life, through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. At the flaps high feast we sing, praise to our victorious King, who hath watched us in the tide, flowing from his pierced side. Praise we him whose love divine gives the guests foot for wine. Gives his body for the beast, Christ the victim, Christ the priest. Where the paschal blood is poured, death's archangel sheathes his sword. Israel's host triumphant go through the wave that drowns the foe. Christ.
prayer to St. Michael. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy that Thy peace always, in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Transmitting the treasures of our Catholic faith to your radio every day. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Hi, this is Catherine. Cormac. Henry. And Reagan. 